A reading from Luke 4, 16-22. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was the custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? Well, I just love this story. Um, I've said it before, but I, um, I, I basically did my entire doctoral dissertation on this question. If Jesus declared himself to be good news to the poor, then what does gospel preaching sound like to people who are materially wealthy? And um, obviously, one of my conclusions was, look, poverty and wealth are measured way beyond finances. We have poverty of spirit, we have poverty of relationship. And Jesus is good news to all the kinds of poverty. So you can have a lot of money in the bank, um, but have other kinds of poverty. And, uh, you know, I love when the old hymns come uh, streaming across my consciousness. And I've got an old hymn. I think I've quoted it before on this podcast, but it's Come Ye Sinners, written by a guy named Joseph Hart. And I love this one verse where he says, Let not conscience make you linger, nor of fitness fondly dream. All the fitness he requireth is to feel your need of him. And I think that's directly related to what Jesus is saying here. In other words, if he's good news to the poor, and if we say to ourselves, I don't, I'm not poor, I don't have any need, I've got everything, then, then guess what? Jesus has no business with you, if that's what you say, because he's good news to the poor. So the idea is all the fitness he requireth is to feel your need of him. Identify your need. What do you need? Is it relationship? Is it spiritual? Is it financial? Like you just name it. And Jesus is good news to you in all those ways. So he is good news to the poor. And that means all of us, <laughs> all of us. What do you think? I like that a lot. That really speaks to me. And this is such an important text, you know, about the year of Jubilee and mm -hmm. all of these things that are going to happen in God's economy, and especially when the Messiah comes. I, I think this time as we're hearing that text again, part of what I'm struck by is this amazement that even the townies who knew him well felt about his gracious words. And this idea of amazement to me stood out because I think we all know God's power when we see it. And I, my hunch is for anybody who's been walking with God for a little while, they've had that experience of something coming to mind that they know they've never thought before, but they said it or they did it in that moment because some force greater than themselves, we might call it the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. um, gave them that word or mm -hmm. put that authority and power in what they offered to somebody else. And I think if, if we can just taste that a little bit, 
how much more so it must have been when Jesus spoke these mm -hmm. words. Now, I know that um, it, Eric talks about this in the book, that there's more to come to this story, but yeah. I just want to pause yeah. on that amazement and what it must have been like to hear Jesus own these words as his own. But uh, doesn't it also suggest, and we're, the story is going to go on uh, for a few more days, but doesn't it suggest when they say, isn't this Joseph's son? that it's not that they're condescending or something, they're skeptical. I mean, they're, they're, they can't, yes, they can't believe the gracious words coming from Jesus, uh, and they really respond to it, and they're very proud of it. Uh, but that's going to turn uh, in a different direction. And part of the fact is they can't get their minds and hearts around the fact that Jesus is the Christ, and it's not even uh, brought up here, but he is kind of uh, suggesting through how he's speaking about this passage that there's more to him than meets the eye. Hmm. And it's a problem then, and it's a problem today, uh, that they can't get their mind around that God said his right. one and only son into the world. Hmm. Uh, to save people just like us. It's very, especially in a, a world as materialistic as it is today, and that's not a slam at materialism, it's just a philosophy. And it's been going on for hundreds of years where the only thing that really is real is here on earth. And uh, the heaven and hell, that doesn't really count very much. So the skepticism here, the unbelief here, is not at this point um, rising up and saying you're a fraud or something. They're very proud in a way that he is Joseph's son and he's like this. He's it's almost like a, um, not a saint, but you know, a um, prophet. I would just conclude us by encouraging our listeners uh, to go back in the Sandwich Church Sermon Archives to May 7. So just a couple months ago, Gina Hance preached on this passage very um, powerfully and has this wonderful charge at the end for us all to go out with that same jubilee message to the world. So May 7, it's on the Sandwich Church Sermon Archives on both YouTube and the podcast. Go back and listen to that. I, I think you'll be really blessed if you want to hear more about this.